Innalhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ghfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd So we're on the chapter now, Babu Majaa Fil Kuhan Wanahwihim. The chapter regarding what has been mentioned about the fortune tellers, the soothsayers, and their likes. So anybody want to read? We haven't read for a long time. Does that work or not? and <laughs> عن ابن مسعود مثله موقوفا وعن امرأة بن حسين مرفوعا ليس منا من تطير أو تطير له أو تكهن أو تقهن له أو سحر أو صحر له ومن أتى كاهنا فصدقه بما يقول فقد كفر بما أنزل على محمد رواه بزار بإسناد جيد ورواه الطبراني بإسناد حسن من حديث ابن عباس دون قوله ومن أتى إلى آخر قال البابوي ورحمه الله العراف الذي يدعي معرفة الأمور بمقدمات يستدل بها على المسعود ومكان الضالة ونحو ذلك وقيل هو الكاهن والكاهن هو الذي يخبر عن المغيبات في المستقبل وقيل هو الذي يخبر عنا في الضمير وقال عبد العباس ابن تيمية العراف اسم للكاهن والمنجم والرمان ونحوهم ممن يتكلم في معرفة الأمور بهذه الطرق وقال ابن عباس في قوم يخطبون أباجاد وينظرون في النجوم ما أرى من فعل ذلك له عند الله من خلاق 
So here then, Babu Maja'a fil Kuhani wa Nahwihim. The chapter regarding what has been mentioned of the fortune tellers, the soothsayers, and their likes. As Sheikh Al Fawzan says, Munasabatu hadha al bab lima qablahu. The connection between this chapter and the one before it. Anna ma qablahu fi bayani al sihr. وحكم الساحر وبيان بعض أنواع السحر that the previous chapters they were about clarifying generally what magic is what the ruling of a magician or upon a magician is and clarifying some of the types of magic that's what we've done in the previous chapters وَهَذَا فِي حُكْمِ الْكُهَانِ وَذَلِكَ لِلْتَّشَابُهِ بَيْنَ الْكُهَانِ وَالصَّحَرَةِ لِأَنَّ كُلًّا مِنَ السِّحْرِ وَالْكِهَانَةِ عَمَلٌ شَيْطَانِيٌّ يُنَافِي الْعَقِيدَةِ وَيُضَادُّهَا so previously it's been about magic and magicians and the types of magic. But now here it is about the fortune tellers, the soothsayers. Because these types of individuals, they are heavily connected and linked to the magicians in the types of activity they engage in. These fortune tellers and soothsayers, they also engage in this satanic practice. Their actions of what they do, of reading the palms of people or telling them where uh, lost items are, claiming knowledge of the unseen and the likes of these activities, these are all satanic activities also. So there is a resemblance between these types of people and the magicians in their activities. وَالشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فِي هَذَا الْكِتَابِ يُبَيِّنُ الْعَقِيدَةِ الصَّحِيحَةِ وَيُبَيِّنُ مَا يُضَادُّهَا مِنَ الشِّرْكِيَّاتِ وَالْكُفْرِيَّاتِ أَوْ يَنْقِصُهَا مِنَ الْبِدَعِ وَالْمِحْدَثَاتِ and in this book, Kitab al-Tawheed, al-Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullahu ta'ala, clarifies the correct aqidah and clarifies that which opposes the correct aqidah, clarifies the different acts of shirk that the people engage in, the different acts of disbelief that people engage in, or innovations and deviances that people practice which cause a deficiency in your Tawheed. And that's why he has mentioned this chapter here, talking about the likes of these fortune tellers and soothsayers and crystal ball readers and palm readers, and all of these types of individuals and their practices, because they fall under the banner of shirki practices. 
فهذه هي الطريقة الصحيحة المتمشية مع الكتاب والسنة أنه يبين الخير ويوضحه ثم يبين ضده من الشر So this methodology of clarifying the truth but then also clarifying what opposes the truth that is the methodology that is in line with the revelation as it came it is in line with the Quran and the Sunnah to clarify the truth and make that apparent and clear but then to clarify that which opposes it so that you can then avoid that من أجل أن يكون المسلم على حذر لأنه لا يكفي أن الإنسان يعرف الخير فقط بل لا بد مع معرفته للخير أن يعرف الشر that it is not enough for a Muslim to know the good without knowing the evil because if you know the good you can practice that but if you don't know the evil you may be falling into it inadvertently. You may be falling into it without knowing. بَلْ لَا بُدَّ مَعْ مَعْرِفَتِهِ لِلْخَيْرِ أَنْ يَعْرِفَ الشَّرْ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَتَجَنَّبَهِ وَإِلَّا إِذَا لَمْ يَعْرِفَ الشَّرْ فَإِنَّهُ حَرِيٌّ أَنْ يَقَعَ فِيهِ وَهُوَ لَا يَدْرِي بَلْ قَدْ يَظُنُّهُ خَيْرًا So when a person doesn't know what the evil is, then there is a possibility, a very likely possibility, that the individual will end up falling into some evil, not knowing it's evil. He may even fall into that evil thinking that it's a good. He may fall into that evil, even thinking it's a good thing, not knowing the reality of the evil of it. So it's important to understand and to know the correct path, but also to understand and to know the evil path, to avoid it. And just the other day in one of the other classes, we were covering the ayah that said, وَهَدَيْنَاهُ The scholars, they say in the tafsir of this ayah, one of the meanings of it is that we guided mankind or we highlighted to mankind the two paths. One path of goodness, one path of evil. Made that clear to mankind, so that mankind, the believers, those upon obedience can follow, and strive to be upon the path of goodness, and can stay away and abstain from the path of evil. So here then, بَابُ مَا جَاءَ فِي الْكُهَّانِ وَنَحْوِهِمْ يعني وَمَنْ كَانَ مِثْلُهُمْ مِنَ الْعَرَّافِينَ وَالرَّمَّالِينَ وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ هَذَا بَابٌ يَشْمَلُ كُلَّ مَا هُوَ مِنْ نَوْعِ الْكِهَانَةِ وَالْكِهَانَ مَعْنَاهَا إِدِّعَاءُ عِلْمِ الْغَيْبِ بِطُرُقٍ شَيْطَانِيَّةِ So the kahin and kihana, it is to claim knowledge of the unseen affairs. Whatever those unseen affairs may be, 
to claim to have knowledge of the unseen matters. And many of them with all of these different practices of theirs are claiming knowledge of the unseen. The ones who sit there with the crystal ball claiming that they'll be able to read your future and tell you what's going to happen. And the ones who read your palms and the ones who read the cards. All of those claiming knowledge of the unseen, claiming they can tell you what's going to happen to you, claiming to tell you how you should proceed and what you should do and not do, and how things will happen and won't happen. All of that is their claim of the knowledge of the unseen. So the kahin and kihana, it revolves around claiming knowledge of the unseen. فالكاهن So the kahin الذي يخبر عن المغيبات من الأشياء المستقبلة والأشياء المفقودة والضالة The kahin is the one that tells you or claims to tell you about future events, what is going to happen. What is going to happen in your life? What events are going to take place? The one who claims to have knowledge of those future events and what is to take place in the future. And also the ones who inform you of where lost items are. They may tell you your lost ring. It is in such and such a place, in such and such an area. Go there and you'll find it buried. They tell you about the lost items and where they are. And they do all of that with the help of the shayateen. They do all of that because they submit themselves to the shayateen. بِسَبَبْ أَنَّهُ لِلشَّيَاطِينَ Because they submit themselves to the shayateen and then the shayateen help them. لِأَنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ عِنْدَهُمْ مَقْدِرَةً لَيْسَتْ عِنْدَ الْإِنْسِ Because the shayateen of the jinn, they have capabilities that humans do not have. فَهُمْ يَرْتَفِعُونَ فِي الْجَوْءِ وَيُحَاوِلُونَ اسْتِرَاقُ السَّمْعِ مِنَ السَّمْعِ ثُمَّ يُخْبِرُونَ بِمَا يَسْمَعُونَ مَنْ يَخْضَعْ لَهُمْ مِنَ الْإِنْسِ So the jinn, as we mentioned before, they climb up into the sky on top of each other's backs until they reach to the heavens to try and steal some information from there. And if they manage to steal some information before the shooting star strikes them and pass that information on, then they bring that information to the likes of these people, to the fortune tellers, to the sorcerers, to the soothsayers, those who will submit themselves to these shayateen, then the shayateen will give them that information. They will then be able to use that information and pass it on to the people mixed in with their lies upon lies upon lies, But then there will be this one piece of information that is the truth. And so the people, they go away afterwards, all of the lies, they forget about them. But the truth which came true, 
They will say, look, didn't that fortune teller tell us that this was going to happen? Didn't he mention this particular event and incident was going to take place? And look, it took place exactly how he said it. So those fortune tellers and sorcerers, the ones who submit themselves to the shayateen, they lower themselves in obedience to the shayateen, then the shayateen aid them and help them with this information. ثُمَّ هَذَا الْإِنْسِ يَأْخُذُ الْكَلِمَةَ الَّتِي سُمِعَتْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَيَكْذِبُ مَعَهَا مِئَةَ كِذْبَةٍ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يُلَبِّسَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَا تُخْبِرُهُ الشَّيَاطِينَ إِلَّا إِذَا أَطَاعَهُمْ And these sorcerers and their likes, they will only acquire this information from the shayateen if they submit themselves in obedience to the shayateen. If they submit themselves in obedience to the shayateen, then the shayateen will give them this information and aid them. But by doing that, by submitting themselves to the shayateen, in obedience to the shayateen, they have therefore committed kufr in Allah. They have disbelieved in Allah. They have committed shirk and kufr by submitting themselves in obedience to the shayateen. فَلَا تُخْبِرُهُ الشَّيَاطِينَ إِلَّا إِذَا أَطَاعَهُمْ وَكَفَرَ بِاللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَأَشْرَكَ بِاللَّهِ وَنَفَّذَ مَا تُمْلِيهِ عَلَيْهِ الشَّيَاطِينُ مِنَ الْكُفْرِ وَالشِّرْكِ And they will only, the shayateen will only help them if those sorcerers, they submit to the whims of the shayateen, they do what the shayateen command them to do, what the shayateen dictate to them. They submit to that and do it, and then by doing so they commit kufr and shirk, and then that's when the shayateen will aid them. The shayateen, they do not obey and help a believer. They will not obey a believer and aid a believer in that way. They only do this and pass on this information to the ones who will submit to them and commit kufr, disbelieve in Allah and commit shirk. Al-Muwahid لأنه لا يطيعها And the reason why they will not cooperate with a believer is because the believer will not submit himself to them and will not commit kufr and shirk in Allah, so they will not cooperate with a believer. The only ones they cooperate with are those sorcerers who commit kufr and shirk, and disbelieve in Allah, and submit themselves to those shayateen. وَكَانَتِ الْكِهَانَ الْكِهَانَ سُوقًا رَائِجَةً عِنْدَ الْعَرَبِ فِي الْجَاهِلِيَةِ This sorcery and fortune telling and all of this activity it was the sheikh says like we may say the phrase these days a bustling market that it was a big business as we say it was a big business with the Arabs at that time it was a big thing it was a bustling market 
that the shayateen, they would come to these individuals, and these individuals, there would be many of them lining up to submit to them and to commit kufar and to take that information from the shayateen. In jahiliyyah this was, in jahiliyyah. وَكَانَ الْكُهَانَ لَهُمْ شَأْنٌ عِنْدَ الْعَرَبِ and those sorcerers and their likes at that time in Jahiliyyah, they used to have station and rank. They used to have station and rank amongst the Arabs at that time. كُلُّ قَبِيلَةٌ لَهَا كَاهِنٌ يَتَحَاكَمُونَ إِلَيْهِ All of the tribes, they would have a sorcerer of this nature who was in essence put up on a pedestal that they would all return to him and make their judgments and their rulings and their issues dealt through him. Their judgments and rulings and issues all ran through him. Through this sorcerer and the likes of them, they would put into a pedestal, onto a pedestal, put him onto this rank and station. And all of the tribes, they had that in Jahiliyyah. وَكَانَتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ تَسْتَرِقُ السَّمْعِ وَتُخْبِرُ بِهِ هَأُولَئِ الْكُهَانِ And those sorcerers at that time, those fortune tellers and their likes, the shayateen of the jinn, they would climb on top of their backs and steal information from the heavens and pass it on to those sorcerers. Those sorcerers, those fortune tellers, those Individuals of that nature would then use that information in deceiving the people more and more, mixing their lies in and using that one piece of correct information to deceive them. So the people think, look, he's truthful. He did say such and such and it occurred. And that was all prior to the sending of the Prophet ﷺ. فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِعْثَةَ نَبِيِّهِ مُحَمَّدًا أو نَبِيَّهُ مُحَمَّدًا صلى الله عليه وسلم فَلَمَّا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِعْثَةَ نَبِيِّهِ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم حُرِسَتِ السَّمَاءِ بِالشُّهَبِ And when Allah سبحانه وتعالى uh, willed to send his prophet Muhammad, when he willed to send his prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then it is noted that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then protected the heavens with the shooting stars. And in Sira, if you look into Sira, it is mentioned that at the time of when the <coughs> prophethood began, it was noted by the people how many shooting stars they began to see. Because that was what Allah decreed at the time then, for the heavens to be safeguarded from the stealing of the shayateen, the eavesdropping of the shayateen. And we mentioned the narration before, sometimes the shooting star would strike those shayateen before, they were able to pass on any information, and sometimes they would manage to pass it on before the shooting star struck them. Uh, and, and that's mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-Jinn. وَأَنَّا كُنَّا نَقْعُدُ مِنْهَا مَقَاعِدَ لِلسَّمْعِ 
فمن يستمع الان يجد له شهابا رصدا that we used to uh, 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 lie in wait to hear to eavesdrop but now the one who does so will find a shooting star in wait for him mentioned in the quran they used to climb on top of each other's backs to steal the information from the heavens but then when the prophet would begin tells you in the quran here they say but now the shooting stars are lying in wait to strike those who attempt to steal that information and eavesdrop فلما بعث او بعث الله نبيه محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم قلت الكهانه عما كانت عليه في الجاهليه so now then when the prophet would began at the age of what for the prophet sallam 40 years old at the age of 40 years old that prophethood then began and then that's when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for the shooting stars to safeguard the skies the heavens as a consequence it is noted that after the prophethood began sorcery and fortune telling and all of these things reduced because now those shayateen were less capable of being able to eavesdrop and steal information. And if they were less capable of being able to do that, there was less information to be passed on to the sorcerers. Therefore, their credibility amongst the people dropped. They maintained their credibility by mixing in that truth with all of their lies. So people would say, but he did say such and such and that did happen. But if there is less information coming to them now, they have less <coughs> truths to add in. So now they are left with only lies. Then eventually people will end up saying, but everything he says, nothing ever occurs. Nothing ever comes to fruition. And so it is mentioned that the sorcerers and their activities reduced after the prophethood began. وَذَٰلِكَ لِظُهُورِ الْإِسْلَامُ وَمَعْرِفَةُ الْحَقِّ مِنَ الْبَاطِلِ لَكِنْ لَهُمْ وُجُودٌ مُسْتَمِرٌ إِلَى يَوْمِنَا هَذَا And also the shaykh says, because of the appearance of Islam, after the sending of the Prophet ﷺ, Islam came, and when the people began to learn Islam, to learn aqidah, they became more aware of what is right and what is wrong. So many people who may have previously been going to sorcerers and their likes, when they began to learn and enter into Islam, all of those individuals obviously stopped. So from that side, the sorcery and the sorcerers, they dropped and their numbers dropped and it became less in occurrence because the truth started spreading more and more amongst the people. But despite that, it of course continues to this day. The palm reading, the tarot cards, the crystal ball, all of those types of activities they engage in, it continues to this day. وَكُلَّمَا فَشَلْ جَهْلِ فِي الْأُمَّةِ ظَهَرَ الْكُهَانِ and the more ignorance spreads in the ummah, 
the more of those sorcerers and fortune tellers and their likes begin to appear in society. The more ignorance that spreads, the more of that kind of activity comes back to life and spreads amongst the people. وَكُلَّمَا كَثُرَ الْعِلْمِ وَالتَّمَسُّكَ بِالدِّينِ وَالْعَقِيدَةِ الصَّحِيحَةِ قَلَّ الْكُهَانِ أَوْ And the opposite is true as well. The more knowledge spreads, the more knowledge spreads and clinging to the religion and the true aqidah spreads, then the less there will be of the sorcerers and their likes, if not that they are completely wiped out in certain societies because of the spread of knowledge and the spread of clinging to the sunnah and to the correct aqidah. فالجهات التي فيها توحيد وفيها إسلام صحيح لا يوجد فيها كهان وإن وجدوا فإنهم لا يظهرون ولا يعرفون إلا نادرة. So he says, where you find توحيد is present and Islam is present, the true Islam. The true aqidah and tawheed is present. Then you will not find sorcerers and fortune tellers and the likes in those communities and societies and lands. And even if they do exist there, they will exist in secrecy. In a land of tawheed, a sorcerer will not be able to set up shop openly, put a banner on his home and people they come to him. They will only exist if they exist in those societies in secrecy, known only here and there in secrecy. Because as soon as they become apparent and known publicly, they will be taken in and finished. So in the lands of Tawheed, in the lands of true Islam, either they do not exist, and if they do, then only in secrecy, never publicly. وَأَمَّا الْمُجْتَمَعَاتِ but as for the societies and the communities and the lands where ignorance is widespread in them, they are in that chaotic existence where it is not an existence of knowledge it is upon ignorance upon a lack of religion upon deviances in those kinds of communities and societies and lands then you will find that there are many of these sorcerers and fortune tellers and their likes and those are the kinds of places where they will have their bustling market again where there are plenty of people going to them, people lining up to go and see them, and it's public and it's known, and nobody's going to stop them or come and take them. فَمِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ عَقَدَ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ وَعَقَدَ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ هَذَا الْبَابِ فِي مَوْضُوعِ الْكُهَّانِ وَبَيَانِ حُكْمِهِمْ وَحُكْمْ مَنْ يَأْتِ إِلَيْهِمْ وَحُكَمْ مَنْ يَسْأَلُهُمْ وَيُصَدِّقُهُمْ 
And due to that then, for all of what we've mentioned there, is why Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentioned this chapter in Kitab al-Tawheed to mention the ruling upon this type of activity, these types of individuals, and the ruling upon going to them and visiting them. Even if you are not one of them, going to them and visiting them, what is the ruling on that? All of those topics are going to be discussed here, and in particular the one who goes to one of these fortune tellers or sorcerers and their likes, and believes in the information that he is given from him. من أجل أن يكون المسلمون على حذر منهم وأن لا يغتروا بهم ولو ظهروا للناس باسم أطباء أو معالجين أو أصحاب خبرة فإن هذه الأسماء أسماء خداعة لا تغير الحقيقة فالكاهن كاهن مهما تسمى بالأسماء التي يستتر بها يستتر بها So this chapter is here in order to enlighten the Muslims to the reality of these fortune tellers and tarot card and palm readers and all of those things, to enlighten the Muslims regarding these affairs, so that the Muslims can take precaution, and that they are not deceived by the likes of those people. Even if those people, they call themselves with other terminology. They will not come along and say I, that he is a sorcerer. They will not come along and say that in a Muslim community perhaps. But they will come along and say that they are medical doctors that can cure your illnesses. Or not medical, but they often say spiritual healers. And I've seen a card, business cards. Business cards, spiritual healer who will spiritually heal you from the issues and the problems that you have. Medically, they can't help you. There's no medicine, no problem. Come to the spiritual healer. He will look at you and he will fix your problem. And what is this spiritual healer? He is exactly these types of people using the shayateen, using the jinn to aid him and help him in his affairs and to tell him things. So when the sick person goes to that individual, the shayateen, the jinn that are with him, and this is known, when the sick person comes, before he even examines them, before he even asks this person, why have you come, where is your problem, what's the issue? Before he even asks, the shayateen who are with him, who he has already submitted to in obedience and committed kufr and shirk, etc., and they are aiding him now, they will immediately examine the person with the capabilities they have that humans do not have, and they will tell him straight away, this person, he's got a problem with his kidneys. This person, he's got a problem here. So then this sorcerer says, I see, so you have come today because of your kidney issue. And that person will say, but I didn't even, I walked in, I hadn't even said anything, and he knew already. He knew already what the issue was. He knew already exactly why. And I've never met him, never nothing. I walked in and straight away he knew what the problem was without even asking me. Because those shayateen are there. They'll tell him, 
This person has come because of a chronic hip problem or an issue here, an issue there. So then he says straight away, so you're here because of this and because of that I can see. And the person is amazed straight away. How could he know? I haven't shown him anything. I haven't spoken to him. I haven't said a word. How does he already know? Surely this person is a person of knowledge on these affairs. He is truly a spiritual healer. They will then believe. And this is what the ignorant fall into. So this is how they do it. So a person needs to be aware and not be deceived by these individuals calling themselves spiritual healers or other titles of that nature. And like I said, I saw with my own eyes a business card. A business card. A spiritual healer. Such and such his name and this is the number and call. And he is exactly this what we're talking about. He's not a spiritual healer anything else. He is upon this. So then we have this first narration, Rawa Muslimun fi Sahihi. An Ba'di Azwaj in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. An in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Al Man Ata Arrafan Fasa'alahu An Shayin Fasadaka. Bima Yakul. لم تقبل له صلاة أربعين يوما In this hadith in Sahih Muslim It mentions, it is reported from one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ From the Prophet ﷺ that he said Whoever goes to one of these عرافين the Arrafin are these people claiming knowledge of the unseen. You go to them, they might have a crystal ball, they do this, they do that, and they tell you about things which are from the unseen. Like you've lost something and they'll do whatever they do and they say, your item is such and such a place, go here, go there, look there, under the brick you'll find it. So they inform you of what is apparently from the unseen. So in the narration it says, whoever goes to one of these types of people, these sorcerers, these fortune tellers, these types of people, and believe and asks him, and asks him about something, as people do. They go and they say, I'm having this problem, that problem, what do you think, what shall I do, what's your opinion, what's your input, how should I proceed? Whoever goes and asks him about something, and then believes in the answer he is given, from that sorcerer, from that fortune teller, from that crystal ball reader, whoever believes in that answer, then is given from him, then that person's prayer is not accepted for 40 days. This narration then is narrated from uh, Hafsa, Hafsa, the daughter of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anha, and she said that the Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever goes to an Arraf, and the Arraf قيل, هو الذي يخبر عن الأمور الغائبة عن طريق الحدس والتخمين والظن That it is a person who tells you about the unseen, where your items are, where your lost possessions are, through his uh, guesswork and through his 
uh, assumptions that he makes. He tells you about where it is. And it has been said the Arraf is just a Kahin. It is the same as these soothsayers or, or these uh, fortune tellers and sorcerers and the likes. So there is no difference between them, as Ibn Taymiyyah will mention shortly. So the kahin or the arraf is a general term that encompasses anyone who informs you of the unseen. Whether that person does it via the shayateen aiding him, or from intuition and guesswork. From intuition and guesswork. Intuition, meaning that where you can make a reasonable, logical assumption about something. They come to you and they say, we've lost our precious ring. We've lost our precious ring. And so now this individual maybe asks them some questions. So where have you been since you lost it? They tell him we, we went, uh, 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 went to the beach one day and we went to this place and we went to that place and we went to, uh, 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 we went to a theme park. We, they mentioned the places they went. So now he thinks and makes a deduction, a logical deduction. He thinks, where from these kinds of places that these people have been, uh, the way that they live their lives, where they generally go, where they regularly are, maybe he asks them where they work, what they do as a job, to try and work out maybe at their job, would it be the kind of job they would have to take off their ring for health and safety? He makes assumptions from the background that they give him. He makes assumptions and he makes a reasonable logical guess that your ring is going to be in such and such. Maybe the beach, he tells them. Or at this place or that place. From the background and the context they've given him, he makes a logical assumption as to where it could be. And maybe they go, maybe ten types, ten of these people who come to him, nine of them he gets it wrong maybe. Or a hundred who come to him, maybe ninety-nine of them he gets it wrong. But maybe one, maybe one, they go... And just coincidentally, it is in that location. It is in that location. So sometimes it could be that it is from their intuition and from their guesswork that they try and say things. And this is known. This is well known. Uh, in certain fields of study, in academic study, in psychology and those kinds of things, they, they, they speak about the techniques of doing these kinds of things. Like uh, all of these spiritual healers that uh, 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 are known amongst the Christians and, the, and those types of people, they do a lot of intuition. Some of them are completely faked with the, the, the earphones in them and they have the information about people in the audience. But some of them are based upon intuition. One of them might say, I can send, when the ones who claim that they can contact the people in the afterlife, the ones who can claim they can contact people in the afterlife, a lot of them do their thing upon intuition. So they've got an audience of 200 people. They'll say, I can sense a presence. 
And this presence is giving me a name right now. And the name, this presence is giving me is Joshua. Somebody says, John, I'm John. He's oh, John, that's it, John, John. So now, all of a sudden, you've got a John. And this spirit was telling him it's a John. And they do that. They say, oh, the, the spirit is telling me something about... Uh, they use very generic things. The spirit is telling me something about someone who he's trying to contact who died a sudden death. Many people die sudden deaths. And he's telling me that it was a very terrible incident. Many people die in car accidents and things like that. And he's telling me that this person died quite young. Many people die in terrible accidents quite young. So you use general speech like that until somebody says, it's my Paul he's talking about. And then all of a sudden now you've got the person. So that's intuition. They use intuition to be able to narrow it down. And those masakeen sat there, he's talking about my Paul. My Paul was 25, he had an accident, he did blah, blah, blah. So sometimes it can be via the shayateen outright, and sometimes they may be doing these things through intuition and guesswork and lies that they are making up. And they also used to use these techniques of drawing lines in the sand. And Look at this, in Jahiliya, in olden days, they used to do palm reading. They used to do palm reading. Well, Finjan, Finjan, perhaps again relating to a certain item, that often one of the methods they use is, they say, give us one of your personal possessions. Give us a personal possession of yours. Some item of yours, personal possession. Then via that, they attempt to do some reading into your affairs. So they used to use all of these different methods and all of these different techniques. And you see, palm reading to this day, how popular and famous it is amongst the misguided. The palm reading of the hands and your lines, and it shows this and it shows that. So the one who goes to these types of individuals, فَصَدَّقَهُ بِمَا يَقُولُ لَمْ تُقْبَلْ صَلَاةُ أَرْبِعِينَ أَوْ لَهُ صَلَاةُ أَرْبِعِينَ يَوْمًا and then in the narration it says, whoever goes to one of these people and asks them something and then believes in it, then his prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. Does this mean if you go to one of these people but don't believe it, you go for fun to see what's going on, then you're okay? No. Because there is another version of this narration that doesn't mention about having to believe in it. The point is going to these people, going to these sorcerers, هذه اللحظة فَصَدَّقَهُ لَيْسَتْ فِي صَحِيحِ مُسْلِمْ وَإِنَّمَا وَرَدَتْ فِي رِوَايَةِ الْإِمَامِ أَحْمَدِ فِي الْمُسْنَدِ وَالَّذِي فِي صَحِيحِ مُسْلِمْ The version that is in Sahih Muslim is whoever goes to one of them, then his prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. Simple as that. Not about asking and believing whoever goes to one of these individuals, his prayer will not be accepted for 40 days. Therefore, the ruling is based upon you merely, simply going to one of these individuals, to the sorcerers, to the palm readers, to their likes, simply attending with them and going to them. 
then this ruling is applicable about your prayer not accepted for 40 days. And that is because simply going to one of these individuals is a crime in and of itself. That is a misguided action to be engaged in and to implement and to practice itself, let alone then speaking to them and asking them, that's even more. But just going to one of these people in the first place, that is a crime and a misguidance straight away. وَلِهَذَا لَمَّا سَأَلَ مُعَاوِيَا ابْنِ الْحَكَمِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ عَنِ الْعَرَّافِينَ قَالْ لَا تَأْتِهِمْ When Muawiyah ibn al-Hakam asked the Prophet about these arrafin, about these sorcerers and the likes, the Prophet said to him, La ta'tihim. Do not go to them. Do not go to them. The Prophet forbade him from simply even going to them, let alone speaking and asking and believing. Just going to them, he prohibited him. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ يَدُلُّ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِ الذَّهَابِ إِلَى الْعَرَّافِينَ حَتَّى وَلَوْ لَمْ يُصَدِّقْهُمْ So the narration highlights the impermissibility of going to these individuals even if you do not believe in them or accept what they say. لَوْ قَالْ مَثَلًا أَنَا أَذْهَبُ مِنْ بَابِ الْإِطْلَاعِ Imagine a person says, I'm just going to go in just to see what's going on, just out of interest. We know Tawheed, we know we're not going to believe in this, but I'm just going to see. You know, like in the fairs and places, they have the tent set up, the, the mystic readings or whatever. You go to uh, places in the Crawford Center here and shopping centers, they have a little booth set up for readings. So a person may say, let me just see what's going on. I'm Salafi, mashallah, I know what's happening. I'm just going to go in and see what's... Well, let me see what they do. Let me see what happens. I'm not going to believe it. We know. Even that, not permissible. The only exception that some of the scholars mention to that is what? Where somebody could go to one of them. To refute them. To kill him. The scholars, they say, only a person. And, and you have to give importance to the phrase knowledge. A person of actual, proper knowledge. Actual, proper knowledge. Grounded in knowledge. And that, you know, you have to understand where that is. Grounded and solid and absolutely upon knowledge could go to one of these people, could interact with one of these people to rebuke and refute and deal with him. But that is a person of grounded knowledge. When we talk about that kind of situation, grounded knowledge, uh, some basic criteria, some basic criteria to the one grounded in knowledge is that you know all of these narrations by heart for a start. You're not going to walk in there with Kitab al-Tawheed in front of you. You have to, grounded in knowledge is that you know it all. You know all of these narrations inside out. Memorized all of them. And in reality, grounded in knowledge, if you're talking at the time of the Salaf, it wouldn't be just that you know the narrations, that you know all the chains of narrations and the authenticity and everything. Because the reality of knowledge, the reality of knowledge is 
العلم ما حوى الصدر That's what the Salaf say The reality of knowledge is what your chest contains Anybody can walk around with a book Anybody can sit there with a book and read And portray knowledge The reality of knowledge is When the book is gone, what's left now? Talk now Then we'll see the one who has the knowledge in his chest Al-ilmu ma hawa as-sadr Hawa yahwi to contain Knowledge is what is contained in the chest That's why they say in the past There's a, a story about two scholars uh, and these two scholars, they used to debate over issues. One of them always used to win if they debated during the daytime, if they met at Dhuhr time or Asr time. One of them would always win. But if they met after Isha in the evening, the other one would always win the debates. And that is because when they used to, because one of them, one of them was a hafiz of his affairs, of the knowledge and everything. The other one, just the books. So when they used to debate in the daytime, this one used to bring all of his books and everything. And if you have all of the books, nobody's going to memorize every page of every book. If you have all of your books, you're going to be able to beat somebody from their memory. Nobody here is now at the likes of Imam Malik and Shafi'i. So if you have your book, you're going to beat somebody who hasn't got their book. So he used to have all of his books and all of his information there. When they used to debate, he would beat him. But if they ever had a debate after Isha at night time, this is talking about in the olden days, at night time all they used to have was their little candles and lanterns. And at night time, this one with all of his resources and books, and it was difficult. He couldn't really find the pages. He couldn't find the information. So the other one would always finish him off. Because he had his knowledge stored in his heart. And so they say, Knowledge is what is contained in the chest. That's why a Shaykh al said, The highest level of knowledge is the one who understands, obviously. But on top of that understanding, he has memorization. The second level of knowledge below that, and so you're never going to be classed as grounded, solid, if you're only at the second level. The second level is the one who has understanding, but no memorization. You see the difference when you sit with the scholars. We used to do Kitab al-Tawheed with the scholars. I remember Sheikh Ali Nasr al-Faqihi as an example. One example. Sheikh Ali Nasr al-Faqihi, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, one of the oldest scholars of Medina, one of the most senior of Medina, he used to come and teach Kitab al-Tawheed. How? He used to come, sit down, he used to bring a book, open it up, but throughout the class, you would be hard, it would be difficult for you to ever catch him actually looking at the book. The book was just there as... You know, you, you sit down, you have the table on your chair, the book is put down. He used to deliver the whole explanation from memory. And more than that, even you could give another example of Shaykh Ubaid. Remember doing Kitab al-Tawheed with Shaykh Ubaid? He's actually blind. He used to come in, the reader would read the hadith and the chapter from his memory. He would give you the explanation. 
And I recall when we were doing it with him, it used to be in the evenings after Isha. The Kitab al-Tawheed class, I think it was a Sunday. Sunday evenings after Isha it used to be. And the sitting used to be two hours, two and a half hours long. And he would finish three chapters sometimes per night. Three chapters in one sitting. So imagine now, not just you could say, well maybe somebody can practice one chapter properly and then come and give an explanation without looking at the book. He was sat there, two, three, four chapters, one after the next, every narration being read to him, giving you the explanation. And this is the way of all of the scholars. You attend a lesson of the scholars, they can do that. Whereas somebody who can only explain reading and with the text and with everything there, can never quote anything from memory, can never mention anything from memory, it's only what is in the book, you are only at that second level of knowledge, you're never going to be classed as alim, from the ulama, grounded in that level of knowledge. To be grounded, you have to have memorization. Without memorization, how can you possibly be classed as grounded? You're walking in the street and some mubtadiyah comes up to you and you don't have memorization, what are you going to say? You can't quote any ayat, you can't quote any hadith, you can't quote any statements of the scholars, then where has your knowledge gone? You cannot say, wait, let me get my book. So the reality you have to strive for is that top level. As the Shaykh Al-Thaymeen said in his explanation of three fundamental principles, the highest level of knowledge, understanding and memorization. So that's the only exception. Somebody grounded in knowledge, knows all of this, memorized, understood, could go and start giving him narration after narration and clarifying all those details to that individual. We used to have teachers in the, uh, in, in the Medina University, teachers who used to come in, deliver the whole lecture in hadith and chains of narration memorized. And maybe we would do 10 hadith in fact, even more than that, as you know, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad. You remember here when we were doing Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari. And we used to read the chain of narration. And then mention if each individual, if he's thiqa, if he's saduq, if he's this, if he's that, if he's da'if. All the narrators and their levels. Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, when he used to teach the Kutub al-Sitta, Al-Kutub al-Sitta, Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawud, Nasai ibn Majah, Tirmidhi. They used to read the hadith to him with the chain of narration. And the first thing he would do, all from memory. No book in front of him. Shaykh, his eyesight has been weak for a long time. And now he's almost blind as well. But for that time, in those days, he, he could see but couldn't read and no books or nothing. From memory, the whole class. They used to read the chain of narration to him. Maybe ten people in that chain of narration, maybe seven people in it. And every single name he would tell you their ruling on that narrator. This narrator, and not only that, he would tell you which scholars narrated from this narrator, or which books collected from this narrator. Because that's the other thing to remember. What is the level of the narrator? Is he authentic? Is he weak? Is he this? Is he that? And where is this narrator found? Is he found in Sahih ibn Majah in some of the hadith? In At-Tirmidhi in some of the hadith? In Abu Dawud where? He would tell you where the narrator is found and what the level of the narrator is. And that's seven or eight or nine per hadith. And we used to do 30 hadith a night. 20, 30, 40 hadith. Large numbers of hadith per session. And every chain of narration he would tell you that there would be barely a handful in the whole session 
where he would say, who's that? And then the reader would have all the details there in the book. So then from the book he would say, he is such and such. That would be a, a handful out of the 50, 60, 70, 100 narrators in the night. So that is the knowledge. So that is the only type of person who could possibly uh, interact with these individuals to rebuke them, the one who has capability in that knowledge. Otherwise it is impermissible for anybody to approach or interact with these individuals. So the point here is, it says your prayer is not accepted for 40 days. Does this mean that if a person ended up doing that, so then he makes repentance after that, but now for 40 days his prayer is not going to be accepted regardless, that he doesn't pray for 40 days then? Even more sin. You pray for the 40 days. You have to carry on praying, obviously. But this is part of the punishment, the severity of it. You're not going to be given reward upon that. But you must pray. It will be even greater sin you abandon the prayer. You must pray, but there will be no reward for 40 days. That is the severity of your action. هذا وعيد شديد يدل على تحريم الذهاب إلى العرافين مجرد الذهاب. So this highlights to you the severity of going to these sorcerers and their likes, just simply going to them, regardless of asking them or believing them in anything they say. And then there are going to be multiple other narrations coming up as well yet. That was only barely the first hadith in the chapter. There are multiple other narrations coming up talking about this issue. And remember, going to them doesn't even mean physically going to them. Watching them on TV is classed as going to them. Listening to it on the radio. They're doing an interview with a magician or a soothsayer and people are calling in with their uh, details and he's telling them that is going to him. Reading in the newspapers about what they say, like the star signs, is technically going to them. So it is not just physically going to them, these other means. You have now approached them and you are with them. All of those are impermissible. And I heard some of the mashayikh say, the one who watches them on TV, the same ruling applies for your 40 prayers, uh, for your 40 days. Same ruling applies. You're in that ruling. If you watch it on TV or any other means, it's not that you physically have to go for this to count. So we'll stop on that for today then inshallah ta'ala we'll carry on next week with the next section at approximately 8 o'clock just after 8 o'clock inshallah wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Any questions or anything? Uh, this one is mentioned specifically to highlight to you the, the, the severity of your action. The severity and how severe it is going to the sorcerers and their likes that this specific punishment has been prescribed of 40 days 
specific to that action to highlight how severe and dangerous that particular action is compared to others. Are there other actions that have the same punishment? Yeah, there are. There are. That's good, yeah. No, I was thinking, it, you know, just is it? Why not more? Why not forty? Yeah, yeah. So why the forty exactly? Yeah, exactly. Allah, if there is a reasoning to that, because uh, these narrations, as they are, it is implemented because it is the sunnah. That's the way it's come. Even with the whipping and other things, eighty whippings, and there are numbers given. Yeah, the rulings given in the revelation, they implemented in that way. Mm. Anybody else? Alcohol and drugs. Drugs and these things, are they mentioned in the uh, texts anywhere? Drugs, heroin, cocaine, is it mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah? But this is what the scholars uh, uh, sometimes use qiyas upon. Qiyas is where you make an analogy, uh, you make a, um, a judgment between two affairs that resemble each other in the illah, in the reasoning and the cause so alcohol is forbidden for what reason and what cause behind it? Because it intoxicates your mind and it takes away your mind. Khamar in Arabic is known as khamar from kha, meem, ra. Those letters, the asal of kha, meem and ra, they indicate a satr. That it conceals your mind. Khamar, like the khimar, covers the woman. Khamar covers your Head, it covers your head. Your mind is gone, covered up by the the khamar. So now they say drugs and all these other types of items connected to drugs. They are haram, not because there's an ayah or a hadith talking about drugs and and, uh, uh, heroin and cocaine and these things, but because the reasoning behind them is the same as alcohol and these other issues. These drugs now, they intoxicate you, they remove your capabilities in your body, they harm you, your health. For all of those reasons, they are haram because alcohol and other things that are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah for those reasons are haram. Therefore, drugs would be haram too because they have the same reason behind them. When something has the same reason, the illah is the same, then the ruling can be passed over as the same. That's the basis of qiyas. And that's why you get so many differences between the scholars and Qiyas because they'll differ over whether the two items are resemblant or not. They'll say, no, هذا قياس مع الفارق. When they don't want to agree, they'll say, no, you can't judge these two things together because one of them is different. This one is XYZ, which isn't included in that. But that's uh, in the topic of Qiyas. Anybody else? <laughs> You do the tawbah, you have to do the tawbah, and you have to carry on praying. Do the tawbah and carry on praying. That's what you do in terms of the action. And then inshallah ta'ala you are forgiven for that after that. If somebody uses which narration? Interpreting dreams is not classed as this category of subject. Interpreting dreams is legitimate. 
it's, it's possible and it's legitimate. However, in our time, as the scholars have said, it, uh, people need to be very careful regarding it. Because as Ibn Qayyim said, dreams are of three types. Dreams of truth that are from Allah. Dreams of like what we call nightmares that are from the shaitan. And dreams that are adhathu ahlam. Dreams that are nothing. They are just everyday things. You, uh, 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 you know, anything. You saw something during the day. You saw a hot air balloon in the sky during the day. So you, at night you have a dream, you're in a hot air balloon and something's happening and you're trying to... No, it doesn't have any... Inter- people are going to say, what does it mean? I saw myself in a hot air balloon and I was in the sky and I was flying and what does it mean? You say it means nothing. Don't you remember there was a hot air balloon show yesterday? That's all it means. There's no interpretation to your dream. So the scholars, they say, be careful. Don't sit there saying interpretation, interpretation, interpretation. Many things, they don't have interpretation. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, of course. That uh, firmly grounded, and we're talking high level. Firmly, you know, people have to understand the relative levels of knowledge. Here, when the scholars talk about somebody going to an araf, a kahit, you have to be at some superior level of knowledge, of ability, of uh, not, I mean, even not just this. This is basic. Kitab al is a simple, basic book. There are multiple other books with many more evidences and many more narrations and many more explanations the grounded person would have knowledge of those affairs. Mm. Now of course, uh, the person's a sinner. If he doesn't act upon it out of laziness and out of other things, he's a sinner. If a person rejects what is in the Quran, that's why he doesn't act upon it, that's kufr. But he accepts it, but like many Muslims, they are weak, they are lazy, they don't practice their religion. And that person is considered a sinner. He's a sinner for not implementing what the rulings are and the commandments are and the prohibitions are. We'll come to that in a moment. He's just connected? Neither connected. In that case, we'll leave them both till next week, inshallah. <laughs> next week, we'll carry on with further questions and things, inshallah. Ta'ala.